Well, good morning. You can go ahead and have a seat. Anytime that I have taken a step in my life toward uh, greater openness and vulnerability to find freedom and healing and grace in Jesus, I come against two fears in my own life that can be summed up by two fictitious characters. The first is Linus from the uh, comic strip Peanuts. And the second is Bob Wiley from a movie called What About Bob? (laughs) Maybe you're not familiar with these two, but you should be. Linus carries a blanket around. It's his very identity. Anytime he's confronted by giving this blanket up, he turns it in, for example, at Christmas into the shepherd's, you know, hat, whatever it is, (laughs) turban. He can't get rid of this blanket. And any time I have stepped into greater freedom and healing in Jesus, I have had a fear that if I give over the way I had been living out of something called the false self, if I give up my image management that I have so carefully built up, if I lay down the lies that I fostered, who will I be without my blanket? I've got this fear. God, I know how to live with this false self. I know how to live with what I've created. I can manage that. So I think. The second is Bob Wiley from a movie, What About Bob? If you're not familiar with this movie, you should watch it. It is a classic. It's not really a classic, but it's a classic, if you know what I'm saying. Bob is a very needy individual. And my second fear is that if I open up the gate of saying to other people that I need them to walk with me to the cross, I'm going to be like Bob Wiley standing in the middle of town by Lake Winnipesaukee, screaming, Dr. Leo Marvin! And when he finally finds the doctor, he grabs onto his ankles and says, give me, give me, give me, I need, I need, I need. I'm scared to death that if I open this gate, that when I walk down the hallway of a mall, people are going to dive under the coat rack because they see me coming. Oh, here comes Murphy again. He's going to say how much he needs me to help him go to the cross. I've got these fears. Who will I be without my false self? And who will I be if I express need to my friends? I am happy to say... That in my healing journey, and I have had a healing journey, and I've told you about it. Others are going to tell you about theirs today. That that has not been the reception that I've been greeted with. I've not turned into either of those people. I've not been Linus or Bob Wiley. Defined by the weight of my own image management. Or buried by my own need. There is fear in coming to the cross with others, and that is what we're talking about today. We're talking about confession with our brothers and our sisters. We're talking about bringing people into our lives who can hear us for who we really are. I will tell you what will not happen today if you come to the cross in this way. You will not hear Jesus say, oh, you again? Promise you that's not going to happen. Your brothers and sisters aren't going to say that either. Oh, you're bringing the same thing back here again. No, no, no. We dealt with this once. You got to go back to your seat. You won't hear that today. That's a lie. 
It's a fear from this false self that we've propped up. That if people really get to know us, they won't like us very much. That if Jesus really gets to know us, he won't like us very much. That we're bothering him. That someone else is more needy than me. You won't hear today at the cross if you choose to come and stand with Jesus and others. You will not hear from anybody. Your sin is the big one. We can't heal that. We can't forgive that. That wound, the sin you're committing, the sin that's committed against you, the unforgiveness you have is unforgivable. You won't hear that today. But the enemy tries to lie to us. Oh, if they knew who I really am, they wouldn't like me very much. That mine is the one that can't be forgiven. If you come to the cross today, what you won't hear is, yeah, but that thing you're bringing to the cross isn't a biggest need as the person behind you. Could you move along? We play this game, don't we? Well, well, my sin's not that. I'm okay. This guy, he needs me. I mean, let's get him right up here. So we begin to cover for this person we've created, this false self. And we begin to cover in something that I really just want to call out today before we hear from some friends who have done this ahead of us. We try to prop up this false person, this image management that we've had. We try to prop it up through this little word called stoicism. We want to be stoic. When you look up stoicism in the dictionary, it actually has a positive definition. The example is positive. She accepted her suffering with remarkable stoicism. He or she did not display any feelings or any admittance that they were tired or exhausted or broken or weighed down. They were stoic. Hello, New Englanders. <laughs> Hello, nutmeggers. I mean, come on. I know where we live. Can I just challenge stoicism in the room today? It's going to kill us. It is not of God. It comes against what God wants. You are not designed, we weren't built, we weren't created, we weren't redeemed to walk by ourselves in secret. Come on. And can I say something else? You're not fooling anybody. I love you. You love me, I hope. If you don't by now, you're not going to, so whatever. But I mean... Listen... You're not fooling anybody. We're close to 75% of Christians admitting they look at pornography regularly. The 7 out of 10 people aren't in someone else's church. We get it. There are some of us in the room who have had a struggle with this and had victory over it. We get it. We get that if one in three girls and women have experienced some kind of abuse, that some of you in here have experienced this. We get it. But more than the statistics, we know you. And we know ourselves. 
You're not fooling anybody. And you're certainly not fooling God. God, to you, all hearts are open. All desires known. And from you, no secrets are hid. That is not a prayer, by the way. I mean, it is, but it's not. It's a declarative statement. We're not saying, oh, God, would you open our hearts? We're admitting something. Actually, it's a confession. You know that, right? The first part of that prayer is a confession. We're confessing to you that you know us already. I mean, our hearts are laid bare in front of you. We're not hiding anything. No secret can be hidden from you. And then we make the ask. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may fully enter into your life. We may walk in the way you've given us to walk. So this stoicism, just, it just kills us. And it, it shows up. I just want to point out how it shows up. Because you might go, well, I'm not stoic. I'm, I'm fine. Okay, that's stoicism. But that's okay. I mean, that's one way. But at first it comes out in a super spirituality. It comes out in this super spirituality. It's, a, it's this man-made intensity that is created out of a need to feel something without actually feeling anything. Can you hear me say that? That's a super spirituality. We're going we're gonna to work something up. So we can feel something without actually feeling anything. It's, it's a facade. It's a facade. We demand that every spiritual experience be a mountaintop experience. That's super spirituality. It's a form of stoicism. Or we go into what I like to call spiritual spin. Right? We hold up all sin and all pain as really part of God's plans for our lives, and we downplay any desperation. You know my story. My father left when I was six months old. He abandoned us. He just walked away. He rejected me. I was six months old, and he said, forget you. I'm leaving. For years, I would have tried to convince you in my early life that that was really a good thing. I'm fine. I don't deal with abandonment. He was a bad guy. I'm glad he left. There's no pain I have to deal with. This is good. If you knew who he was, this is protection. I want to say something. I think it may have been protection. It also hurt like H-E double hockey sticks. I don't want to swear, you know, because it's church. (laughs) That's spiritual spin. It's nonsense. And if you knew me then, you wouldn't have believed me. You would have had it. You wouldn't have had to spend 10 minutes with me. And you would have said, you are in nine kinds of pain because your dad walked out of your life. And you are living in nine kinds of sin to try to cover that pain. Who are you kidding? That's what you would have said. So we've got this super spirituality. We spin things spiritually. And then we just try to flat out avoid it. I am just going to avoid or ignore anything that is wrong. I mean, we just... Do it. And one of the ways we do it is we maximize, we maximize acceptable problems. Have you ever had, played this game? Oh, if I maximize this problem, that they're not going to worry about that. I have no fear here. I'm going to keep the really bad stuff to myself. This is avoidance. Stoicism is sin. Let's just call it what it is, okay? Super spirituality is really just pride. 
I can handle this myself. I'm fine. I'm good. Look what I've built. Spiritual spin is really just a lie. It's just an ugly word. It's just lying to ourselves and to others. And avoidance is actually just lust. We're just trying to create for ourselves a nice medicine to help us get through life. All of this, all of this is the false self. It is an attempt to be God for ourselves. That's what the false self is trying to do. That's what the small self is trying to do. That is what Jesus says to the Pharisees when they come to him and say, why aren't your disciples fasting like John the Baptist's disciples? And Jesus gives this great thing. You know, he has a spiritual word for the false self. He says, you know what y'all are trying to do? You're trying to take old garments that are torn and falling away, and you're trying to put a little patch of new cloth on them. And then you're trying to say to everybody, look, I'm here to buy gold. Look, I'm clothed in white. Or you're, you're taking old wineskins that are broken and cracked, and you're asking me to fill them with new wine. And they're just going to explode. It's a game. It's a facade. Confession must happen in community with other people. It must. It must. James says this in 5.16, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power in its, all its workings. Perhaps this is the scariest part of the whole thing. The lie is I can just do this alone. But not according to Jesus. Confess your sins one to another. Dallas Willard, great line. If we confess only to Jesus alone, we have to ask ourselves if we've not often been deceiving ourselves with our confession to God. Whether we have not been confessing our sins to ourselves and also granting ourselves absolution. That's the danger of me and Jesus and what I have. Through confession with others, we can trade our sin for new life. We can trade the pride of super spirituality and we can be cleansed and it can be restored and replaced with what God calls a broken and contrite heart. The Lord your God will not despise. The deception, the lie of spiritual spin can be cleansed and replaced with honest vulnerability and need. The Apostle Paul tells us that in our weakness, in our need, Jesus Christ is made strong. The lust of avoidance is cleansed in our hearts and restored in a gospel weakness that reveals and activates and enlivens the strength of God in our lives. So in just a few moments here, we're going to have a time where you can come uh, to others and receive some what we call healing prayer. You can come and um, confess sins. Those committed by you. There's another thing about the cross. It is so big, like Tony said, that the sins that have been committed against you that you thought you would take to the grave and still have a power over you can be left here today. 
can be left here today because Jesus didn't only bear our sin on the cross. He bore our shame. Maybe today you have to forgive someone else like you have been forgiven. Or maybe today you need to let yourself off the hook. Maybe today you're saying, what I did, Brian, you don't know what I've done. I can't say it out loud. There's no forgiveness for me. I'm going to invite you today to forgive yourself, to let yourself off the cross. Jesus went on the cross. You don't have to be there. He's there. Maybe there's a relationship that you have let be broken. You've just held on too long to something you probably can't remember. And you need to bring that person to the cross that you have an issue with and say, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to release this person to you. You take care of them now. You bring justice and mercy in their lives, just like you've brought justice and mercy in mine. I'm going to be done clasping on to somebody else because I want to clasp on to you instead. Maybe your body is broken today, literally broken. And you're saying the cross doesn't have any work in this. Well, that is just not true. You know that verse that we love to quote from, that I quoted from James 5 is in the context of physical healing. James starts with, if you're suffering, confess your sin to someone and then ask for healing. The Bible's clear that our physical suffering is sometimes to the glory of God. It's not always because of sin. But the Bible is also clear that we should just pause for a moment. Get our hearts right before God and then ask for healing, physical healing. So if you come today and you ask one of our teams, say, I really need physical healing, what they're going to say, and teams, uh, this is new, what you're going to do for them is they're just going to give you about 30 seconds of silence. We're going to pray for physical healing, but first we just give you 30 seconds of silence, and then they're just going to ask you a question. Is there anything you'd like to confess before we pray for healing? We have prayed earlier for you. Here's my desire today. Here's my desire for you, my friends. I have desired and prayed that you would be so exhausted from trying to prop up the false self that you would run to the cross and others today. People have asked me, how have you seen the Holy Spirit physically work in your ministry? I've seen it a lot of ways, but the biggest way is after people come to the cross and give up the shame and the sin that they're carrying around, you see their physical countenance change. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. Exhaustion is removed and grace comes. On the way in today, you receive this piece of paper. One of these, hopefully, and if you haven't, um, our ushers are going to actually get up right now and just, you can just raise your hand while we're singing. I went back and forth whether to hand out papers today. This is not an excuse to write something down and not go to someone. That's a bad idea today. But in just a moment, we're going to have our 60 seconds in silence and the, the team's going to play. We're in no hurry. In fact, our prayer teams, would you come and get in place now? The prayer teams are going to get in their places now. We've built time in. There's plenty of time. And maybe you just need a minute to, to write some things down, to do a little work before God. I mean, how are you trying to meet your own needs and be God for yourself today? Maybe you can just write a word that says, this is how I'm doing it. I know you're convicting me of it. What are you scared of? What are you scared of?
I'm just scared to come to the cross. This scares me. I'm going to write it down. What were you going to carry to your grave or that just has too much control over your life? You just write it down. And while the teams are playing and people are receiving prayer, we have the baptismal font here. This is magic paper. When you drop it in this font, in about 30 seconds, it dissolves. Goes away. Because in his death, and in his resurrection, and in his ascension, Jesus is saying, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. I will bury everything that you confess as far. I will bury it under the ocean floor. It's gone. It's dissolved. It's away. You can move when you're ready today. Just move when you're ready. For the next few minutes, the worship team is going to be worshiping. The prayer teams are ready. The baptismal font is open at the cross. You come. You come.